You're listening to The Wilder Podcast. Episode 19 with Laura Wright. Hey everybody. So, I um, kind of had a really good intro to this episode last week whenever I shared um, that macaroon truffle extravaganza recipe from Laura Wright's cookbook, The First Mess. And if you love plant-based blogs at all, I know that you are probably familiar with Laura. And if not, do not fear. You're about to learn so much about her and her perspective and just kind of get to know her on more of a personable level. Um, She's super cool. Um, I was very, very happy with our conversation and we were able to speak before the episode and we talked a lot after the episode because we just really got along and she is such a down-to-earth real person and I feel like and I'm not saying that bloggers aren't real people but sometimes it's it can be really hard to get in touch with um bloggers and when you or maybe whenever you meet bloggers in your own city they can be a little standoffish and I'm not saying it's just bloggers I just mean sometimes in general it's hard to connect with people (laughs) And she was very open and honest and easy to connect with. And um, she says fuck, you know, <laughs> which is a huge bonus because sometimes whenever I have guests that don't swear, I um, I don't want to swear either. And then it feels like I'm trying to censor myself and I distract myself. So, yeah, um, there are some swear words in this episode, which is no different than any other one of my fucking episodes. I just did that for for kicks I don't really need it I didn't really need to swear right there (laughs) but um yeah this episode kicked my butt it was so good like I was just so happy and so I had so much fun hanging out with Laura and um she her first thing that she said when we got on the call was okay so what is with the celery juice (laughs) and that did not make it into the actual episode um but it was hilarious um But yeah, you're going to learn a lot about our cookbook, which comes out tomorrow. So hence the Monday episode. Um, It comes out tomorrow, Tuesday, March 7th. And um, if you already pre-ordered the book last week, whenever I um, mentioned it on the blog, then congratulations, you're going to be getting your book. Um, And you still have time to go get it tomorrow or you can... I mean, I guess you could pre-order it today or you could just wait till tomorrow. And um, in the show notes, I linked all of the information about the book. Um, and on her on her personal blog, she has um, all of the shops that it's going to be available in. And she's in Canada, so it's in the U.S. and Canada for show. And they have two different covers. They have a cover. So the back cover here in America on my book is the front cover there. So I thought that was really cute. So if you're in Canada, your book is going to look a little differently than the book that I posted. But there is still a Canadian cover. And it's very beautiful. Um, It's like a ton of little pots, which I love. Super cute. So in this episode, we talk a lot about um, cooking vegan and cooking plant-based and um really showing up as that, why Laura chose that path and why it can be kind of difficult as a blogger to just exist and, you know, um, we do our best and sometimes we want to eat cheese, you know, but it doesn't mean that we aren't working towards, you know, helping the environment or for a greater good. We just do what we can and we really talk about that. And I loved talking about that and 
it, this episode is a lot different than some of the ones that I've done when we usually talk about body image and we talk about food choices um, with a blur, like a, with kind of a um, sketchy relationship with food at one point in our lives. Well, with Laura, her decisions always came from a space of nourishment, um, whether it be like an ethical decision or eventually a nutritional decision um, just for health. It's, it's still a really cool place to hear her specific story. And it's not just coming from the lens of weight loss or anything like that. So that was really cool. And yeah, so I'm going to let you go into this episode don't forget the book is available tomorrow and yeah, really enjoy this. This episode is brought to you by the Wilder Wellness Group, my very own group coaching program. What you can expect when honoring yourself and becoming a member of Wilder Wellness, weekly emails with Wilder Wellness exclusive recipes to try each week, two breakfast, two lunch, two dinner, two snack. That's well over 100 exclusive recipes when you sign up for the six month membership private access to a limited member Facebook group titled Wilder Wellness, two Facebook live coaching calls each week to ask me your questions, connect with one another, and really build that sisterhood. Weekly themes to keep you focused on self-care and getting clear on ways to nourish your body, mind, and spirit. I'm talking about extending to you an invitation to experience Wilder Wellness, a way of being in a community centered around the desire and dream to nourish our vessels in every way possible. Visit the site, wldrnessa.com that's wildernessa.com to learn more so i run a blog called the first mess it's a plant-based blog but it's not like overtly in your face vegan even though everything on the site is vegan and i'm also the author of the first mess cookbook same name same idea it's a plant-based cookbook but it's not like super vegan, go vegan. It's just really beautiful, nourishing food that would trick you into eating more vegetables, basically. Yes. So that's what I do. And it's like a whole foods, plant-based. It's not just like any type of, I feel like with a lot of people, vegan means even still, I'm so far removed from it, but even still vegan can mean like meat substitutes and like, you know, right processed foods and meats oh, and stuff yeah. like that. But I feel like, no, no, yeah. no I don't that no like I definitely call myself plant-based like I'm not I'm I wouldn't call myself a vegan like you know what I mean so my food is definitely whole food plant-based definitely like on the like fruit vegetables nuts seeds pulses grains like that's my that's my bread and butter so to speak yeah speaking of bread you mentioned spelt flour in your book and you mentioned gluten-containing grains, which I love because I love me some good spelt, even though I don't eat like, I don't really eat gluten ever, but I thought oh, okay. it was, I thought it was interesting. I have tried and I have tolerated spelt, um, but it took me a while because I was on the gluten-free train for so long. And I do know a lot about wheat and the gut and stuff like that for everyone that's listening. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Spelt has never really bothered me. And that's interesting. Yeah. So it was, it was something that I was turned on to by a chef who's like a nutrition certified holistic something chef. And she was mentioning that for people that are gluten intolerant, try spelled because somehow something, something I don't know. now that It's I, like lower gluten yeah, or something like exactly. that. Right? I don't know the specifics of that. Like I just use spelt because I like it. It's tasty. It's just kind of like my all purpose flour. I like to keep it around. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of, this is a good segue. Okay, good. (laughs) This chef that I was looking at. So 
I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about your experience with culinary school, which is something that I recently learned about you via a um, reader's question. She was just inquiring about your experience with culinary school and how it has maybe shifted or affected the way that you cook now and um, how it's impacted your, you know, your blogging business and, you know, how you've really been able to utilize that with the direction you're going because a lot of food bloggers and just bloggers in general, you know, don't have that. Right. Well, I kind of, I never intended to start a blog when I went to culinary school. Like I really thought I was just going to work in a restaurant and then eventually own a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to, or alter, well, I'll speak to this when I get to it. I attended a nutritional culinary management program, which was new at the college that I was going to. So, and it was a really cool program. They were putting a ton of money into it. It was like this growing field that they were really interested in promoting. So with the cooking labs, we would learn very traditional things like how to fillet a fish and like just the basic stuff, like all the vegetable cuts and things like that. And we would cook really old fashioned things too, like old school French stuff. Like Julia and Stiles. Then, yeah, yeah like really rich stuff and like, you know, like the weird broths and stuff. And then eventually those like when we had that foundation laid down, they would change over to more like nutritionally considered um, cooking lessons, I guess. So there would be like a plant based day. There would be a cooking for elderly people kind of day. And I mentioned the elderly people thing because initially I thought maybe – I would work in like a retirement home cooking scenario because I really love old people. Like I really, really love old people. And I thought maybe I'll take this program and I can like, I can do that. I can work in like a really nice retirement home kitchen or something like that. And just, you know, these people live out like their golden years and I can be a part of that. It would be so nice. But I ended up changing my mind on that. I really like kind of took a 180 and I was like, I don't know. I think I'm like, maybe I have too much creativity or like want to do different things for this. Like it was just, there's so much regularity with working at a retirement home, right? Like they expect us mm-hmm. every day. I was like, I think I feel stifled by that. So anyway, we would do all of these learning modules. We even did like baking stuff too, which is definitely not like what you would think of when you're taking a nutritional culinary program. But like we learned how to make chocolate mousse cakes and like all of that ridiculous stuff without nutritional consideration. Um, It was good. It was, and like we would learn the math too, like the, like certain yields, like converting ounces to grams and things like that. Like we got the full program that regular culinary students got just with like slight nutritional twists, I guess. Um, It helped me a lot. Like it gave me a good, foundation like just with silly things like making a soup like I know that I have to sweat onions for like a good five to seven minutes for them to integrate into a brothy soup like I just I know that um or like sometimes I'll see a recipe direction that says like caramelize the onions for 15 minutes I'll just I'll know that's wrong because when I was in school that took 40 minutes like it's just Mm -hmm. certain things like that I just, I feel like I'm, with what I do now, I'm a little bit more competent and better able to instruct people with full clarity from the page. Like, just to give them a sense that, like, I'm actually there. Like, I just want to communicate full clarity in my recipes. And having that culinary school background, 
I think really helped me because you just you start with the basics and they're hammered in class after class like you just you can't help but absorb it if you're paying attention so yeah like that's I guess that's what how it helped with my current career even though I didn't really plan to apply that to my current career mm-hmm. at all really wow oh that's crazy I can't imagine that's so I just like my heart you wanted to work with the elderly that's so sweet I really like old people like you just I learned so like I just you learn so much from them right and like yeah. it's just you know, their outlook is so much different. Like they're not in a hurry to get anywhere. I love that. They're not like staring into a phone or anything. Like they're with you right now. Like I just, that's, I love that about our older generation so much. That is so moving. And what you said about, <laughs> that, and what you said about, um, the, everything about the clarity and really being with people in the kitchen. I feel like that really shows up in your book. And now it makes so much sense because I was like, I was just very like, this is an excellent book for somebody that doesn't have experience in the kitchen because you break it down what they need to kind of start out with in their kitchen, you know, how to stock Mm -hmm. their kitchen, um, some of the devices that they use. Um, So how long have you been cooking for? Like, how did it start out for you? I started cooking when I decided to go vegan. And that was before I went to culinary school, I was at the University of Toronto studying for like a liberal arts degree or whatever. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of that, I was taking an environmental ethics class and we were talking about monocrops and animal agriculture and things like this. And it was really overwhelming to me just to think about the possible environmental problems that are associated with animal agriculture. And I was like, well, shit, like, what can I do that's like concrete enough and do it every day? And I had been off and on vegetarian for a long time. And I was like, well, shit, I'm just going to try going vegan. And it was Thanksgiving weekend. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to participate in the turkey. I'm not going to have like the buttery stuff. I'm just, I'm going to try and eat vegan and just see how it goes. And I remember being at the Thanksgiving celebration that I was at and the host had made all the vegetables vegan friendly. My plate was full. Like it was totally full. I had no meat, no dairy, no nothing, but I had so much to eat on my plate and there were so many colors. And I was just, I looked at it and I was like, I don't need these other things. Like I feel really satisfied and vibrant just from eating this. So after that, I just decided I'm going to be vegan for a long time. Like this is totally sustainable for me. I can do it. So from there, that's when I became much more interested in cooking for myself. I grew up with a mother that cooked dinner from scratch every night. And like we had, my dad had a local produce business. So we always had good local food in our house. Um, so yeah, like just seeing the women in my life cook all the time, that was a normal thing for me. But when I went vegan, it just, I wanted to recreate certain things that I remembered from my childhood, but just make them dairy-free, egg-free, et cetera. So that's kind of what got me started with cooking. And then I continued to work in restaurants, never a vegan restaurant at this point. And I kind of knew that food was a thing I was always going to be interested in. I finished my degree at the University of Toronto And I was kind of like, I was working in that field and I was like, what am I doing? Like, I don't, I want to be in a restaurant. I don't want to be like working in an office. I don't want to be pushing papers or anything. So I quit and I decided a year later I would go to culinary school. 
And then I just like never stopped cooking. I always worked in a restaurant or I always cooked at home or I always put myself in like a volunteer position where I was cooking. And then I started my site and yeah, like it just keeps going on and on. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that you worked in restaurants because I mean, you're talking to a line cook right here. Like I've cooked. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I've cooked, um, for several years like that was always I've done like I've done a bunch of like front of house stuff too but I've I've been back a house like that that was really kind of a fun thing for me especially like a couple years ago oh my god I was like I had this I worked at a brunch bar at one point so I was like in front of people so I was front of house cooking omelets and doing all this shit for people making waffles and all this like just Oh, I hated being back of house in the front of house. I remember that was like my least favorite job. Um, But I worked there for a long time, um, probably about a year. Um, And then, you know, I've worked in various cafes. And um, it's so funny, though. When when you're talking, I just I really it's so interesting to me because a lot of not a lot, but yeah, a lot of the guests on my podcast, we when we talk about food and nutrition and stuff like that, um, it's sometimes it's the result of guests being you know kind of maybe they started you know doing veganism or something like that or restricting their from a space of restriction rather than with your story it was a space of like ethical nourishment and attention you know it was it wasn't it wasn't a space of like Oh my God, I'm seeing this. I watched this video on YouTube and these vegans were really skinny and I wanted to be a vegan because, you know, and so I loved hearing and I feel like that's really important because with my blog and my message, I am all about, because I will get called out for being like body positive and like intuitive about my food quote, but Mm -hmm. I am, I actually only eat healthful food. So I'm actually just orthorexic, that kind of thing. And I'm like, you don't understand. I can make decisions from a space of nourishment rather than a space of punishment and really nourish my body and nourish my life. And we can do both, you know, we can be positive about like any food, but also be ethically aware of what's going on in the world and also, you know, feel good in our bodies by nourishing it with real food. You know what I'm saying? Oh, totally. And you can come to all of that from a mindset of positivity. Like I just, you know, like sometimes like I'll have, I'm at a party or something and they have the cheese play out and I'll eat a piece or whatever. Mm, yeah. And then I'll have a couple more and then I'll feel gross <laughs> and I'll remember why I don't enjoy it. Like it just makes my yeah. throat feel really like I don't want to go into too much detail, but it makes me feel really mucusy and like just not clear headed at all. It's not because, you know, like it's never been a weight thing. It's never been like, oh, this will make me look good. This will be whatever. It's always come from like just wanting to get to that place of feeling like a wholeness almost like I feel like my world is more in harmony when I eat totally plant-based like sometimes I'll like I said I'll cave and have have whatever and something feels off balance for me because I know I just my body doesn't respond to it and I always want to treat my body with respect because that's when I feel really really good Mm -hmm. so I don't like punish myself for eating something like I genuinely choose a cheat item I don't even want to call it a cheat item but you know what I'm saying something off of my regular path I choose it because I want it and it gives me joy in that moment but I also respect my decision making and my body enough to know that that's a once in a while thing and I'm just as happy to oscillate between the two states 
like exactly and in my coaching group because i'm an integrative health coach and i work with women who i'm trying to help them you know access that space of nourishment and be able to make healthful food choices from that rather than the space of punishment or restriction or like not enoughness you know which comes with looking at bloggers and being like oh well she literally doesn't need any animal stuff and she has all this access to all this organic beautiful awesome stuff and you know i want them to think in terms of like that looks intriguing and i'm curious as to how i would feel doing that rather than I'm less than for not eating that way. And, um, you know, and it just always comes back to like a worth situation. And it's like me. Okay, so for example, what you just described is super intuitive. And I'm totally like that too, because I don't call myself vegan. I eat and share plant-based recipes on my blog um, and with my clients. But um, I eat eggs sometimes and I, I eat ghee occasionally. Um, I eat ghee too. Yeah. I get that fourth and heart stuff. Damn. Oh my God. The, the vanilla sea- one. Oh, I haven't had the vanilla. I've had this pink sea salt and it's just like, oh, it's so delicious on sweet, sweet so potato good. and a tonic. Um, I also have dabbled with marine collagen just for the benef- the healthy gut benefits. I don't eat currently eat meat and I haven't in years. So I just, I mean, I, I went vegetarian because I was afraid of well, I've never really liked eating flesh, just to be honest. Right. Um, it is weird. Like it is, weird. it feels, for some people, it just naturally feels really weird. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was a texture people. thing. Maybe it was just like this grounding, like back of my brain knowledge that this was, this is animal tissue. And it, yeah. some people don't care and they, they're really in touch with this, like, no, this is my primal nature. This is the way it is. And like, I just have never felt that way. If anything, I feel way more, and not that I'm saying these people aren't compassionate, but for me, it like was like, ouch, that hurts me to think about you know like I could never go kill my own food um unless I was I don't know dying or something I don't know guys right Um, (laughs) and um so yeah um I quit eating meat a long time ago but I was also yeah I struggled with body image when I was younger so it was kind of one of those things where I was like is it bad for me is it going to make me you know unhealthy am I not gonna like you know feel good anymore and then it ended up really I exposed myself to a lot of knowledge and information and I will say when I went hardcore vegan um yeah I was all about those videos and I was like trying to show my family you know I I definitely oh, really like the factory farm I'm stuff? telling you just like my parents I was like you guys come on this is just I love you and I just want you to be good but right. but um you yeah. always have the best of intentions when you do that yeah, right exactly it's just, it's- it's so hard for some people to take or to like to make it through to the end and understand how they can apply. Some people also just don't want to know. Yeah, right? exactly. They just don't want to. So. Yeah. And that's the whole thing is that like um, I really even just saying that I was trying to show people those things. It's like uh, because now I really am just like to each his own and I don't try to control anybody but myself. I try to encourage people to eat plant based Um because I believe it is really good for the environment and good for the world and good for our bodies and everything in moderation, of course. And uh, just approach nutrition and what you're eating with curiosity and just like go from there. Yeah, from that space of love. And um, yeah, I'm so down with that. Like, I think it's really just to understand that everybody's on this like kind of individual path and what you're doing and what makes you feel good does not work for everybody. Like, I think sometimes 
in my Instagram stories, like my partner who lives with me mm-hmm. is not vegan. Like he's so far from it. Okay. And I cook him meat sometimes, right? Because mm-hmm. like I know how and he likes it, whatever. I'm not so against it that I can't bring myself to do it. So sometimes people will catch a shot of like something in my Instagram feed of like a little corner of like a package of meat or like a piece of cheese or something. And they're like, I thought you were vegan. It's just like not everyone in my life, in my universe is vegan. And I like, I love them and want to take care of them. Like my boyfriend probably eats more vegan than 80% of the population in my town. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Even though he's not a vegan, like it's just, I don't know. People, sometimes it's really hard to communicate that there is a halfway point that is really productive. Like you don't have to go all the way to affect change in people's lives or in the world at large. Like you can do that with little things so I know and I get I do I get the same thing um especially whenever I started you know posting salad bowls with maybe like a fried egg on top and I just I didn't even really I talked about the transition a bit on the blog but then I decided like not even to really go into it I think I just talked about it on the podcast honestly because if people are really like paying attention and into my work then they're going to be listening to the podcast and I don't Mm -hmm. need to like go on about like how I'm using ghee and my tonics or how I'm like eating an egg every few days you know and um and or how like maybe I just I was eating eggs a lot for the past few months and then I cut them out for like two months you know so it's like mm-hmm. I don't need to go into all of this ex- like intuitive experimentation I'm doing with my body and like trying different things to see if they help me or not um but yeah I get a lot of those messages about just about the veganism and how yeah. you know, it's a lifestyle and you can't just like cop out and the deal is like we do our best and we do what we want at the end of the day you know it's so it's not it's like... so hard to be so totally vegan like yeah. if you drive a car your tires have stearic acid that's a bovine product don't tell me you're buying vegan tires for your car uh, like you know what i'm saying yeah like i mean that's just a very weird unique example but it's just <laughs> i didn't know that. I hate... it's yeah a little factoid but like i just i hate that when it's like people tell me like plant-based is non-committal plant-based isn't enough it's like okay so what are you doing to affect change other than nagging me like you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. and like nagging me nobody ever changed because they were on the wrong end of a judgment you know what I'm saying like it's just so misguided but anyway no no matter how well-meaning it is overall it's just a really I can say this it's it's a dumb approach like it's it's just doesn't work for anybody it doesn't make anyone happy in the end so. Oh my gosh, I love this. This conversation is just going so good. It makes me, it fills me with so much because you <laughs> yeah. like, you try to be open. You want to be really open with your following and, um, and other people in the community. But at the same time, it's like, you got to be realistic, you know? That's well, yeah, people. I want people to know who I am before they like get totally on board, right? Yeah, like, exactly. It's just, yeah, get on my level. Get you on know? my level. Um, what was I going to say? So this kind of popped into my head. One, because you say a couple things a little differently than I do. And because I know that you live in Canada. Um, okay. <laughs> so you live in Canada. Um, w- tell me why I think that all of Canada is when you're looking at the map to the left and up. I don't know why. I literally thought you were behind me in time zone. You're like closer to, is it like Chicago area? Yeah, I'm like just north of... Um... 
like central New York state, I guess. Okay. Like that's where I live. Yeah. So it's like Southern Ontario, you know, where like, do you know Niagara Falls? Yes. Okay. So I live relatively close to Niagara Falls actually. Okay. So another question that sparks my interest is, um, so what is the plant-based scene like where you live? And cause I know people that live in, so Vancouver, that's on the other side, right? Vancouver is the West coast. Yeah. So that's by like Portland and everything, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Just above Seattle. I've yeah. seen a lot of plant-based places come out of there, but I'm just yeah. really curious about like what the what the accessibility is to you and where you live and like if you can go out to eat there and um Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, well, I live so I live about an hour or so from Toronto and there's a ton of plant-based options there. Like I lived there for a while. So there's a ton of like exclusively plant-based restaurants. There's increasingly more plant-based options on like normal menus there too. But in my like little, little town area, it's surprisingly rich in plant-based options. In the next city over in their downtown, they have an all vegan restaurant. There is a vegan donut shop that is amazing. Like, I mean, it's donuts. It's not like a health food, but just the fact that it exists is incredible to me. There's a fresh juice spot right nearby there. Um, there's a coffee shop that has coconut, almond, and soy milk, which is crazy. Oh, my God. Um, like, I mean, for most people who live in cities, they're like, what is she talking about? Like, I can go to Whole Foods and get all of those things. But yeah. we don't have Whole Foods. Like, I, you know, the closest Whole Foods to me is, like, 40 minutes away. Oh, my God. But uh, it's not, like, even the gym that I go to, they have a little cafe in there where they sell, like, really beautiful grain bowls and like, um, like coconut overnight oats and stuff like that. Like it's, the access is very good. Like it's very, like I have nothing to complain about, even though like I mostly cook at home. I don't eat out a lot, Mm -hmm. but when we do go out, I've noticed it's no problem to get something without dairy or meat at all. And something like good, not something like typical and thoughtless or whatever. The access I'm finding is really good. And I also live right by a border crossing into the states Mm -hmm. so if i want any of like the weird and wonderful vegan foods like the kite hell cream cheese or whatever if i want that stuff i can hop over and get it in like 25 minutes you want that stuff no i'm just kidding i tried kite hill for the first time yesterday and i was so it's so in it like i it's so it's so much like my philadelphia you yeah. know, chive and onion or whatever on my everything bagel growing up. It's definitely a treat territory item because it is like $8 I or know. whatever. It's like but... seriously seven bucks. Yesterday I was like trying to, I was with Colin and I was like, can I get this? And he was like, I don't care. And I was like, I care. <laughs> like, this is so expensive. <laughs> I need you to say like, don't get that. Or those Siete yeah. grain-free chips that I also boasted about. Those. those are amazing. $6. Definitely five ninety nine, six bucks they for sent chips. Me a, they sent me a sample box of those. Uh-huh. They were gone in a week. They They're were so, so good. good. Especially because like the nacho cheese flavor doesn't have cheese. It's yeah. paleo. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so good. Oh my um, gosh. But yeah, the Kite Hill is amazing. The first time I went to Hawaii last year. Oh. And like around this time last year. And when we landed, we went to a Whole Foods just to get snacks. I was like, I don't care if it's weird. I need to get the Kite Hill cream cheese. <laughs> I did that. Like, I, don't know, I don't know where I'm going to eat this and what with on Waikiki Beach, but we're going to find something that I can put it on and I'm going to eat it. 
and yeah, eventually they got it in a store close to where we live. So now I, I'm I'm set. I'm set. I definitely <laughs> we went we went to Whole Foods yesterday, and I bought Kite Hill, and I bought the chips, and I yeah. literally we had just eaten at Whole Foods, and when we got to the car, I was like, um, hey, I'm gonna have to get, I'm gonna get that, <laughs> I'm gonna grab the cream <laughs> cheese. I live like 30 minutes away from Whole Foods. I was like, I'm gonna grab the cream cheese and the chips, and I'm just gonna try it right here. I'm just going to eat some of this right here. He was like, what the fuck are you doing? I, I like, do. It. I open my snack eating in the car. it. I'm just going to eat it right now, right here. I do it on purpose. And like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to try it right now. Like before you even load up that bag, <laughs> give it to me. Um, okay. So I, cause I personally, this is like a selfish question, but also I'm sure there are a ton of people that are listening. Um, how did, and I know you could probably talk about it forever. We, we won't do that, but I'd love to know, like, how did the book writing process start for you? Like, did you have your agent first? Did you have your book proposal first? Um, it- what was okay. it like? I can talk about this forever, like you said. I know. Um, she I brought had, it up earlier. <laughs> like a couple years into my blog, I was approached by a really cool publishing company, an editor from a really cool publishing company, about doing a book. And I was like, wow, like I hadn't even thought about this before. And I was so flattered to the point where I almost pulled the trigger and just said, yeah, sure, let's do it. If I had done that, I would have been so screwed in the financial department. I will just say that outright. It's important to like look out for yourself in that regard if you're undertaking a project like this because it goes on for so long and it is so much work. Like you just you have to keep your morale high and I find a financial gain is really helpful in that regard. Um, but anyway, so I had that initial thing and then that conversation with the editor kind of went on off and on for a while and I just kept saying, I'm not ready to do a book. I'm just not. So I worked harder on my site and really wanted to refine my style quite a bit and just figure out like what my idea of cuisine was and like how I could make it beneficial to people in a larger production kind of sense. And then eventually I was approached by... Like, I would get emails from editors a lot and from agents, too. And, like, I don't want to sound full of myself, but, like, I would get those every week. I would get those every week. And eventually, my current editor emailed me, and she was based in Toronto. Um, She was from Penguin Canada. And, like, I mean, I know Penguin Books. I know the Orange Spine. I know their whole thing. And she said, I would love to meet you for lunch just to talk about it. So I went to Toronto. I met her for lunch. I really liked her style. I really like picked up what she was putting down, you know? Yeah. And she just said like, we wouldn't have to do a proposal. Like you could just go ahead and like, you know, we could take your blog as like the style here. And I just said, I don't know enough about publishing. I think I would feel a lot better if I had an agent. And she was like, okay. So she introduced me to my agent actually, which was awesome. And she introduced me to my agent who has worked with other bloggers before and like healthier bloggers too. And just um, healthier kind of cookbook authors in general. I had a phone conversation with her and she just said, I'd love to sign you to the agency. So we went with that. And then we worked on my proposal for like a year, basically. Like I kind of started and stopped or whatever on it. And towards the end of that year, she was like, you really need to like brush that thing up and get it out. Like we need to get it out here. And like, it was kind of, we put it together with this editor I had met originally in mind. And then an additional U S 
book publication deal because this editor is based in the peng- the Canadian arm of Penguin. So anyway, this is all really boring details. So she pushed me towards the end to get this proposal together, and then we refined it together. This document was like 50 pages long, I think. It feels like it. It might not have been. It was like 50 pages long. It had a bunch of my photos in it. It had all the proposed recipes that I wanted to work on how I would write the book. It had basically the introduction to my book in it. Like it was really, it took me a long time and then we submitted it. And then I ended up working with the Canadian editor I'd been talking to. And then we sold it to, um, Adam, uh, Avery publishers as well, which is under the penguin random house label in the U S. So it all worked like pretty seamlessly. And then I worked on the book solid for a year and then it was edited. And then, you know, design stuff, few reshoots, whatever. And now it's going to be out really soon. Oh my God. Just hearing you talk about, so I was also approached by a little publishing company about a year ago. And, um, I definitely said yes up front. And then I had to be like, no, (laughs) after I thought about it, I was like, I'm actually, actually, I'm actually, I don't think, I think that I'm just going to use the content I was thinking about for the blog instead and just, you know, keep working on the blog. You know, I just, I I was still, I really wanted to do it and I was really excited to do it. And then, yeah, I just, it didn't feel right. And I consulted one of my like um, fellow blogger friends and she was like, that's, don't do that. (laughs) She's like, just hold off. But even just hearing you talk about a year's worth of work, and that's before you got your like book checks, right? Before you sold your book to somebody. Oh no! Like when you sign, well, yeah, like working on the um, the proposal. Yeah, like I worked on it off and on for about a year. But I mean, I was also working on my blog and getting paid through that, and like freelance work at the same time, right? Like I admittedly the proposal took me way longer than it should have. Like I went about it at a very leisurely pace, which was evidenced by my agent at the end saying like, let's put the gas on this and get it done. <laughs> like, so, I mean, I kind of took my time. It could have gone. Yeah. A lot faster, but yeah, from the point of inception, like when you're approached to when you get your first check, that's a, like that can be a, where you've already put in a lot of work. And you're just not, you're waiting. You're just not getting yeah. paid and you're waiting. Versus, I'm, yeah. I'm just learning so much. And I, I have a book proposal, but it's, um, it took me a while to write, but definitely it has not taken me a year, but I, it's, it's, I'm still working on it. Um, but I've learned a lot from Jessica Renan's The Book Deal podcast. Yeah, it's and great. You're, you're on that. And so your situation where you're constantly being approached by people, that's a unique situation. That's like what happens in movies. I feel like when whenever, right? Because a lot, is it? A lot of time, I don't know. Are there movies about this? I don't know. I just know. feel like whenever okay. somebody's like a, a book writer in a TV, it's like, oh, you're, you know, these editors want to work with you. I have no idea. Okay. I'm just like have this very like dreamlike view of the way that, you know, you get... <laughs> book deals right. and you just get these amazing opportunities and when I'm listening to like Jessica Renan's podcast and she talks about um no you have to get an agent and she was mentioning that with her peeps she they wouldn't even let her take photos or and her photographer wouldn't work without a food stylist but you did all of that yourself right yeah which was like maybe a mistake <laughs> but like <laughs> it was like that was part of my agreement that I would photograph the whole book and I would do a photo for every recipe 
And at the beginning, I was like, hell yeah, I can do this. No problem. And then, like, the last three months that I was working on the book, it was, like, clearly crunch time. And I was like, fuck, maybe. (laughs) Like, I should have hired somebody. (laughs) Like, I was just, every time, like, I would have all my props out everywhere in the house. And, like, my man would come home from work. He'd be like, fuck me, what happened in here? <laughs> and you're, like, crying, like, ah! Just, oh, it's fine. Everything's fine. Just ignore it. Everything's fine. But, like, in retrospect, I would definitely think about hiring a prop stylist just to help me out with that aspect if I did it again. Like, you know, just somebody yeah. to, like, weigh in on that or, like, to provide their dishes or to, like, help me cook and present and plate something. Like, just that after a while was really, it was grating on me a little bit. And since you made every single one of your recipes, you had to make every single recipe for the pictures. Like, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, oh, my God. Well, multiple times. Yeah. Because, like, I would be testing. testing Yeah. I would be testing it. And then I would have to, like, I would test it multiple times and then file it away. And then I was like, I'm going to do all the photographs in the summertime when I have like the most amount of light and And, like, those are all like really good intentions, but like, it did not go that way. Like I was still testing in the summer. I was still like, you know, it would just, I would come back to something and be like, I could improve this this way. Mm -hmm. I need to scrap this recipe entirely. I would lose recipes outright and like not know where they went and just get really frustrated. Like there's just all these little bits and starts and stops that like you don't anticipate happening if I did it again I would be way more organized um so the burning question of the hour is what do you do with all the food do you do you freeze are you freezing it or do Um, you you give it to friends like what are you doing with all this food I would be the desserts I would send with my man to bring to work get them out of here (laughs) yeah like just get them just make them go away (laughs) That would be the tactic there. Some of the desserts I did freeze just so I would have them, like the little truffles and like stuff like that. Yeah. I would freeze those because I know I would just I could grab those and eat them. Um, but if I was like retesting salad after salad, like it was just it was I, I didn't know what to do with it because there's only two of us, yeah. you know. Like I don't have a fa- like a brood of ten people. Like I would bring some of it to my family's house. Or to, like, a get-together if the timing was right. But, like, I would be not telling you the truth if I said I didn't throw anything out. I had to. Like, it was just – it got to be way too Mm -hmm. much. I just could not – I don't live near, like, a homeless shelter organization because if I did, I would have been bringing it over there. But, like, it just – I don't know. I wish I had maybe hired a professional recipe tester in retrospect. That's another thing I'd be willing to hire out, like, just – one professional recipe tester, they come into my kitchen, I watch them make the recipe with like, you know, I don't say anything, I don't offer any guidance. They make it once, I see if it works, it's done. Like just put less pressure on me to make it five times basically. It was, yeah, that was the one thing I felt a lot of guilt about actually. Was not having another set of hands that would do it so that you no, just going through so much food, like just oh, so God, much. Don't food. feel that bad. Oh my gosh, I didn't mean to bring it up. Ugh, no, no, I don't. I, well, I'm not saying that. It's just like it was really. It is a lot of food. That is hard. You gotta, you gotta know a ton of people if you're gonna undertake <laughs> a project like that. Well, now you know. Just in case you do the second mess. Um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> so I will. Before we go into the quick fire round, I would love 
hear how how did the name come about i it was like it's not this like story that's like fraught with meaning or anything (laughs) it's like (laughs) i i knew it was gonna start a blog and my friend and i were like texting like bouncing back ideas and she's like you can name it after an ingredient you like or something like a lot of blogs do that or you could do whatever and i was like nah i don't like any of that celery princess (laughs) Celery, yes. <laughs> celery blog, celery juice. <laughs> um, but I remember I had, I was on Gourmet Magazine's old website. I don't think they even have it up anymore. But they had a full transcript of MFK Fisher, who's a very famous food writer. They had a full transcript of her alphabet for gourmets. And under the letter P, she discussed the first mess of peas that would come out of the ground like that she had planted that would come out of the ground in early spring and that was the first spring vegetable everybody looked forward to this first mess this first harvest of peas and she would stage the planting so she could just keep having them all through the spring and that passage is like it's pretty like innocuous but it's like also there's so much reverence for like the life cycle of a season there Mm -hmm. you know like just about like what happens when the season shifts and how grateful we are for fresh food again because that's how I feel about seasonal crops like I live in a really cold climate so when we have growing season it is unbelievable it's like a whole new world for us so I just really got down with that idea and like what kind of mindset I applied to that expression and that's why I named my blog that I love it. It is. It, I think it makes sense. And it's such a, it is such a, I don't know, easy on the ears, like it paints a picture for you that what you just read or what you just recited off of your memory. Um, yeah. Um, so is there anything else that you want to bring up? I know maybe you could let everybody know about the book and where they can pre-order it and yeah. the release date, which I will have in the show notes, everyone, for you to go get a link. But um, yeah. Totally. So buy my book, Eat Healthy Stuff Every Day. It's called The First Mess Cookbook, Vibrant Plant-Based Recipes to Eat Well Through the Seasons. Very long subtitle. And it is available through its release date is March 7th, 2017. It's available. It's so soon. It's available through all the major retail outlets. If you go to my website, thefirstmess.com you'll find a tab that says cookbook and it will have all the retailers linked there for you, all information. And if you order the book through those online outlets before March 14th, you can snag a bonus bundle of recipes. It's 10 additional recipes that are not on my blog and they're not in the book and they're all main courses. Like they're all like hearty winter main course fare. There's like a lentil and rice stew. There's a butternut enchilada with sunflower cream. There's it's a lot of good, cozy, um, very hearty recipes, and they're just like totally free. It's like my gift to you for pre-ordering the book. And the information for collecting that is also on the cookbook page of my website. Oh my gosh, so exciting, guys! This book is incredible, and I didn't know like I didn't know that there was going to be a picture on every for every recipe and. Um, is that a nice surprise? It was a crazy nice surprise. I started looking at every single picture and I started imagining you staging the photos and taking the photos. And I was That's like, so nice. I recognize this napkin. Here it is again. And I was 
like, yeah. poor oh, girl yeah. took pictures of everything, but it turned out so flawless and incredible. And, um, yeah, I just feel like it really fills you with that. So the whole thing about cookbooks, my husband, I had to explain this to him, why I like them, why I need them. He doesn't get <laughs> books in general. He's like, what's the point? Like, if you have all these food blogs, not like I'm saying he thinks that your book is dumb. I'm just saying like, he was like, why do you want cookbooks all the time? You have those food blogs. What's like, you have it all at your fingertips. And I was like, yes, but you don't understand. I was like, you don't understand. You have to like having this physical work of someone. It's. It's just such a baby. You know, it's like your baby and it's just like it's it's taking your support for somebody to a different level. Yeah, you purchase like a $20 book, whatever. That's not really the point. It's just like having their work physically. It's just it's in it's your a, house. Yeah, it's in your house. It's yeah. really there. It's like a chunk it's of in your dwelling space. Yeah. Like you see it, you can touch it. It's there. It's in your kitchen. It's not like a you load the page and then you have can to go find it. it. You know, it's it, it's, yeah. it's it's super special. And um yeah, I just the magic of cookbooks. Cookbooks are super special to me in general. I can like I don't like reading things on my phone anyway, like when it comes to like books. So download right. the Kindle version. I'm never gonna download the Kindle version. But um Kindle books, I mean, sorry, cookbooks are definitely super special to me. But um that being said, everybody go get it and it's super close to being released, which I was not I have not even noticed that. It's already March. Whoa, I should already I know. Whoa. I can't believe it. Can't believe it either. Um well, I don't have my quick fire questions in front of me, but I can just ask you some questions that I know off the top of my head. Okay. Yeah, let's go. So we've got a little bit, I have a round, I always have a round of like deeper questions and then a round of like easy, funny questions. So we'll just do the deep stuff first. It's just um, name three things that you've accomplished this week and they can be small, they can be big. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I made soup for my whole weekend. I did that today, which was a huge deal for me because I'm swamped in emails right now. What so kind actually, of soup? It's like a, it's going to be on my site this weekend, actually. Okay. It's a, like a lentil and green soup. It has like five core ingredients. It's very easy. And it's like, it doesn't take a long time to prepare. So I was really like stoked that I got that done because I haven't been able to like peel myself away from the computer at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's item number one. Item number two, I what else did I get done this week? I did an interview for a local newspaper yesterday, which was a lot of fun because I love the writer. And I went to meet her at my favorite coffee spot. And it was just nice to get out of the house. So that actually felt like a really good accomplishment for me. That's number two. The third thing I went to the gym four times this week. Also, like another, oh my gosh. another adventure in me getting out of the house despite like all this stuff I have chaining me to my computer. I did get to the gym four times this week. I was just thinking when you're like, I'm a slave to the computer and like all this stuff. I was just thinking like, I'm going to ask her how she stays, you know, active because yeah. it's so hard for me whenever I'm doing a lot of blogging and I know you've got a whole lot going on right now and you your blog provides full time though like that's what you do right yeah I haven't been as committed to it lately just because my whole universe is the book right now yeah but when I'm on with the blog I'm on like I'm trying to post on the same day every week I try to do a supplement post every other week but yeah I haven't been as committed lately but once this is like over yeah like I'm back to blog full time that's that's my thing so so how what are your favorite ways 
to move your body? You like to go to the gym or? So I go to the gym. We have a really nice gym close to us. So I go there and I do, yeah, I do like, you know, the cardio machines. I do some of the weights. They have a really good yoga program there. So I'll do that like once a week. They have um, bar Pilates there too, which is oh. It's a cool little gym and they have like a racquetball club and stuff that my partner goes to because um, he's like an 80-year-old man at heart. And <laughs> right? It's fun. It's hard. But anyway, so I go to the gym. Like I try to go like probably four times a week. So I do that. I walk my dog for like probably 40 minutes every day because she needs it. Like she's part Jack Russell Terrier. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, she's pretty chill. But if she doesn't get her walk, her exercise, like right after dinner time, she will just get so like rangy and she'll just start like running up on the couch. And she's just so, she has so much pent up energy. So it's just better for both of us if we get out for that really long walk and get the fresh air. So yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, I'm trying to do that with my dogs. My dog's part Italian Greyhound, and oh, I, have, okay. I have two dogs, but um, we don't have a fence, so we can't let them run around outside, and we've, we haven't really been able to find, like, a good schedule for us to both be able to walk the dogs, because we both want to, because we do have two, and we can't really walk. Not one person can walk both of these crazy dogs. If one, like, pulls, yeah. Yeah, hard. they're not super um, socialized, and that is that is 100% our fault, but um, it has a lot to do with, we just got them fixed and it's like finding a good vet and just all of that. And like, I not me not wanting to put them around like dogs all the time whenever they're not fixed. And so it's like, there's a lot to that being a dog mom, but I have to say though, like, it's not like I'd never take my dog for a walk at the same time every day. Cause I don't want her to like start expecting it. Like I, we don't get into a routine with it. Like sometimes I'll like, we'll wake up. It'll be like five, three. I'm like, we're going now. <laughs> she's like sleeping or whatever and then sometimes yeah. we do it after dinner or whatever like I just I don't get into too much of a routine because I don't want her like if I'm in the middle of something important and she's like sitting by the side door like looking at me like come on <laughs> so <laughs> I just try to shake it up and yeah keep on her toes basically oh my gosh well I'll just go ahead and go into the easy fun questions really quick just to wrap it up um yep. so what is your current favorite food obsession like what is your i know that you make tonic sometimes yeah maybe it's kimchi it's kimchi i'm obsessed uh, with kimchi. really yeah kimchi. I, I did i did um this like dinner cookbook launch with sarah Breton of minor roots oh yeah I saw that. last week and these two chefs from toronto both interpreted dishes from our books for the dinner mm-hmm. and the one from her book it was like a ginger butter bean stew and the chef put this like amazing house-made kimchi on top it was so spicy and so good and I've been I had two servings of it because there were two seatings I was like shit I'm gonna eat it both <laughs> times it's so good it's so good it was delicious. So I've been really obsessed with kimchi and just like fermented veggies since then. Like that's all. I just want to eat them on everything right now. Oh my God. Do you make your own or do you buy your own? I buy it. I buy like the mother-in-law's brand or I'll get the wild brine or what's that company that makes the cool kraut and they also make the gut shot stuff. That's, farmhouse culture yeah, yeah, farmhouse their culture. kraut is unreal. It's so good. Yeah. I buy it. I don't make it like sometimes if I make a batch of fermented vegetables, I like put it in the basement and then I forget. Like it's just, I, I have way too much scatterbrain qualities to even 
think about committing to doing that. It makes so much. I've made sauerkraut before yeah. and it just makes way too much. And then I just never end up eating all of it. And I, I get kind of sketched out by it. And at the end, I'm like, hey, eh, I don't know. I don't <laughs> I just, know. Can we just yeah. chunk this? Yeah, exactly. So I just buy small batches. It's fine. It's worth it to me. I enjoy it so much. So. Well, I don't really have anything else that I have in front of me because I don't have anything in front of me, but um, (laughs) well, it was so nice to chat with you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.